fit Lana. I picked Chinese as a language to study because I loved Chinese books. Height doesn't matter when you lie down. Welcome back to the Captain Bagger podcast, where we are on a mission to fight boring news about Asia and Australia. It's a tough job, but you know, someone's got to do it. As always, we are recording from downtown Chinatown. And this evening, I've got Svetlana. Hello. Ooh, Svetlana. So the podcast tonight is about young love and yellow fever. Well, yellow night, actually. <laughs> So, actually, I have to give credit to you. you. You've actually turned it yellow night. So, I don't know if you will be aware of the expression Bai Ma Wangzi. Bai Ma Wangzi means night on a white horse, and it's a boy that all the girls fall in love with. But for me, it's Bai Ma Huangzi, the yellow night on a horse. That's my dream guy. <laughs> yeah, because we always see a lot of, like, you know, good-looking Asian chicks with their white prints, essentially. You know, they're, they're you know, a white guy. It, you know, it's quite, it's quite common. But it's very unusual to see, you know, a Caucasian girl with a... With a Asian guy. I think, you know, it comes into that intersection between sexism and racism. Everybody wants to shame women for their dating preferences, whether it's Asian women for dating white guys or white girls for dating Asian guys. I think because white men still very much see themselves at the top of our society, so they take it kind of funny when women suddenly say, hey, I might like someone else better. Okay. So... What is it? So who is this gentleman that you've fallen in love with? So my fiancé fiance. is a Vietnamese-Australian man and I am a white Australian woman. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying With that. emphasis on the white. <laughs> but I do know a little bit about Asian culture. I'm lucky that I got the chance to learn Chinese when I was at uni. Yeah. But that, having said that, Chinese and Vietnamese culture are not the same. All right. So when did you become interested in Asian cultures? Well, you know, Madam Chen, I think it's hard to pinpoint an exact start. I was one of those high school kids that loved anime, as <laughs> every edgy high school kid was. And that kind of transitioned when I started taking Chinese classes. And I found that there were a lot of things in primarily Chinese culture that I identified a lot with. Oh, such as? It's more conservative. It values the family. Yeah. And it values hard work and education, which was something that I felt wasn't appreciated around me when I was growing up. Perhaps I felt that we were very lucky to be getting free schooling and mm. a lot of my peers would complain about it and not want to study and I thought we should value this more and I saw... Chinese Australians and Chinese people at large just really valuing education and working hard. And I thought, how cool is that? Yeah, because a, a lot of the Chinese who came over probably around the time where, you know, you were growing up as the first wave of immigrants. So the, the, the parents would have worked really hard in, you know, low socioeconomic jobs to make sure that their kids had a future. So I can, I can see the comparability Exactly. In and I think this is another way that racism is so prevalent in Australia. My family are boat people. 
but they are white boat people. <laughs> so people assume... <laughs> white boat people, I love that. People assume that, you know, we're true blue Aussie, been here forever. In reality, my family's probably been here for, if not one generation more than most Asian Australians. So what kind of boats do they come on? Well, they came from a boat when they were lucky enough to escape the concentration camps in World War II. Oh, wow. That's and tough. my relatives were supposed to get sent to America, but they got sent to Australia by mistake. <laughs> there were so many displaced people after the war. Oh, no. And growing up with that background has always made me think how lucky I am to be here. I mean, when I was a kid, my mother would say, you should be glad the Germans aren't coming over the hill. So obviously you're not from a German background. Or no. What background are you from? Austrian? So or... my mother's family is Polish okay. and I identify a lot with the Slavic struggle. Oh, you know. But, um, you know, I think I've always just been taught that we're lucky to have what we have in Australia and mm. that we should be welcoming. I mean, honestly, if you're not Indigenous, you have no right to get mad about immigrants. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that is a good point. <laughs> so having started to learn that appreciation for the hardworking and resilient culture that I saw Chinese Australians mm. exhibiting and, and um, an absolute enamorment with the food... Honestly, I picked Chinese as a language to study because I loved Chinese food so fucking much. So which dish was the turning point in your life where you went, oh, my God, this is something I want to have every single day and this is the, the dish that I want to learn the language, the culture, and it, it literally become that dish? Well, Madam Chen, that's a very difficult question. Ooh. I think when I was young it was probably Beijing Kaoya. Oh, which is the, uh, the Peking Duck. Peking Duck, but now mm. it's probably Mapo Dolfu. Oh. Oh, the, um, how would you translate the chili uh, mince oh, yeah. tofu? Some translations call it grandma's tofu, but oh, it's, yeah. yeah, it's a Sichuan dish, which mm. has got lots of numbing, spicy chili, and it's just such a great flavour profile. Goes with rice and it's so easy to whip up. I love it. Do you make this at home? I do, yes. That is delicious. I have to try some of your food. I'll make you some. Oh, yeah. oh, oh my God. I, I feel like this is a new a new show that we should be taking to your home. <laughs> like cooking with Svetlana cooking, and Madam Chan. Cooking Chinese food with Svetlana. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be kind of funny, actually. It would be. <laughs> because you probably cook this dish way better than I. Because whenever I try to cook it, I'm like... Why is it so dry? The meat, the mince should be wet. What What you want to do is you want to get nice fatty pork mince, so you want to bite it in an Asian grocer. If you, I go to Coles, so that's a problem. That's gonna not gonna help. You yeah. can also add chicken stock if it's a bit dry. Oh. Add chicken stock and Chinese rice wine and let it cook down before you add the pickled vegetables. See, I never knew that. <laughs> you know, my mother, who is, you know, from Chinese background, would always cook this dish and she would never show me the secrets behind it. She's an amazing cook too. I know, but yeah, yeah obviously she didn't want to pass it down to me. But it's something that she wanted to take credit for. Don't worry, my father, <laughs> who taught me how to cook, has very much prescribed to the Greek method of you're not allowed to learn how to cook until you're at least 30. So I learned from observation. <laughs> So who cooks better, obviously your dad or your yes. mama? Yes, so my dad actually comes from an Italian background, but his family has been in Australia for a very long time. And your mother's the Polish? Polish, yes. yes. Um, and he has a love of food and a love of Chinese food. I actually, I wonder if my dad was Chinese in a past life. Well, the Italians did steal, or the Marco Polo anyway, did steal pasta and, and pizza from China. It wouldn't surprise me, mm. but my father is very much a... Uh, ambassador of Chinese food. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh my God, do tell. Well, he 
growing up in Australia in the 60s and 70s, he really did see those first waves of of migration. Mm. He tells me he remembers going to the first Vietnamese restaurant in Sydney that was called A New Hope after the Vietnam War. And no one in Australia had ever heard of pho before or goi gun, and and it was just a whole new thing. And he loves uh, Chinese food, and he learned from some of the great old authors like Fuxia Dunlop, this was before Chinese food was popularised mm. in the West and we're not talking about, you know, your honey chicken and sweet and sour pork. Yeah, yeah. One of my favourite dishes he whips up is dong po roll, <gasps> which, you know, most middle-aged white men wouldn't even know what it was. So I don't even know what it is, but I think I know what it it's is. It's a little bit like hong shao roll. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. That's yeah. what I thought. Pork belly, yeah. Pork belly, but it's um a little more savoury as yes. opposed to sweet. Yes, it's not very sweet and it's got lots of delicious pickled veggies and yeah all. yeah yeah oh my god your dad is so cultured for being an italian australian yeah and he's you know like yeah. australian baby boomer like all those stereotypes he just goes against wow yeah well you know kudos to your daddy for yeah. making sure that you know you were well educated yeah i owe well it all cultured. to him yeah yeah, yeah. Well, well and also to your mother as well to showcase that you know coming to a new country there's a struggle yes you've been an immigrant regardless of you know which country you're from yes and and appreciating that, you know, every new wave will will go through exactly the same sort of, you know, discrimination, yeah, hardship, yeah, and yeah. you know, uh, trying to grow. And as I well. think, you know, I do recognise that 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 I do really believe white privilege is a factor. I mean, my my grandfather, unless you spoke to him, you wouldn't know that he was an Australian. Um, okay. Whereas Asian immigrants mm. don't enjoy that. All, there's always an otherness. And I mean, even my partner yeah. has explained to me that there are times when he realizes, oh, right, I'm not white. These people are treating me differently because of how I look. Mm. And I mean, one thing I've learned a lot from him because he, he's Vietnamese, but he's got quite tanned skin because he's really sporty and spends yeah. a lot of time outside. Very Australian. Very Aussie. Yes. He's more Aussie than me, Madam Chen, like, honestly. I am more Aussie than you are, Svetlana. Out of the two of us, <laughs> I am the Asian one. <laughs> you totally are. You are such an egg. You're yellow on the inside, white on the outside. It's true. It's true. And, and my fiancé, he's very much all Aussie. He loves his footy. He, <laughs> he, he's a Brisbane Broncos fan. Oh, my He God. likes to wear stubble. And thongs he's in the a summer. bogan. He's a bogan. He's not Aussie. He's a bogan. He's my sexy Asian bogan. Thank <laughs> you very much. But you know, he gets it from all sides. The Australians who do the but where are you really from act and don't believe him when he says Cabramatta. Oh, or oh the other God, Asians yeah. who say, You're too dark to be Vietnamese. Are you sure you haven't got some Filipino in you? Oh. So, I mean, he gets it. He cops it from both sides, he does. which is really unfair. But it, he doesn't let it bother him. Oh, good. But I, I, I think it bothers me more than it bothers him because I spent too much time in left-wing university groups. <laughs> so, so, so for all our listeners out there, let me describe Svetlana. So Svetlana, she's got beautiful blue eyes, pale skin, and she's got, what, blondie brown hair? I'd probably say more verging on the, on the blonde side. Yeah, and so, you know, your typical... Aussie kind of almost like a beach girl. Almost. Almost, except without the tan because, you know, you're stuck in an office all the time. Exactly. (laughs) True, true. But I do tan easily. Yeah, there you go. And so, you know, you're a true Aussie, you know, Aussie girl. And here you are telling me you're more Asian. And how how come you feel more Asian? I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, Mm. betraying my own culture, but I honestly think that white Aussies have a lot to learn from new Australians. Enough to spend a bit of time studying in China when I was an undergrad. You know, 
the amount of space we have, the amount of resources we have, the clean environment. Yeah, oh, the clean environment, oh, my God. I honestly think people don't appreciate it, and, and mm. I, it makes them quite, you know, xenophobic when they, they criticise migrants for wanting to relocate here, but they don't know how, how lucky we actually are and why people so strongly want to come and live here. Mm. And I think if you, if you can look at it from the other person's perspective, you would think, yeah, I totally want to move to Australia if I had the chance, if it suited me. And, I mean, you can see it in our behaviour. I mean, you see very low rates of Australians undertaking STEM qualifications yeah. to the point where a lot of our doctors, engineers, actuaries, we are getting working visas because we just don't have the talent here. It's not that the government is trying to sell us out on jobs. Mm. It's that there literally aren't enough Australians who want to be engineers. Yeah. You know, you might hate me for saying this, but I'm sorry, don't do arts, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like know. there's opportunity for you here and people are taking advantage of that and I think that's a great thing. Yeah. And also because um, it becomes a story of complacency because Australia is such a wonderful country and you can live such a comfortable life. It's almost as if you don't need to try Try and you can get a job. Absolutely. And so, you know, a lot of people go, well, why am I going to exert all my effort to become, you know, part of the STEM, um, you know, studying in, in engineering or, or become a doctor? Because it, it's a lot of work and you don't actually get any of the benefits, like financial benefits anyway, until after at least 10 years of it's, study. It's a huge investment. A total a huge investment. When when people can go, oh, you know, I can just start working after you know, finishing year 12 and become a tradie. And tradies get paid a lot of money. They do. Days. I mean, I'm not hating on tradies. Mm. Sometimes I wish I hadn't gone to university and become a plumber instead. Same, same. But I think, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard of an academic called Hofstede. He wrote a paper about cultural comparisons and he says, that people in the West are very short-term oriented and people in Asia are very long-term oriented, where yeah. we think in months and years, some Asian people are thinking in generations. That's right. So they're not thinking about their savings, they're thinking about their grandkids' savings. And yeah. in some ways that's such a great way to look at things, you know, don't sweat the small stuff and think about your long-term prosperity. Mm. And having been with my fiancé, Fung, I've learned so much from him in that regard. He's fantastic with saving. He's so diligent and mm. he doesn't let day-to-day -day struggles bother him and I try so hard to emulate that because it seems to be such a great way to live your life you know. So can you give us a bit of a background about Fun? Like was he, was his parents the uh, first wave immigrant? Yeah or? so he's his father had to flee Vietnam on a boat mm. in the middle of on the night. On a boat, just like your just mother. Like, just like my grandfather. Your and, grandmother. And when they came to Western Sydney, there were a lot of, of Vietnamese migrants, and luckily they were able to have mm. that sense of community. Is this Cabra matter? Right? In, in Western yeah. Sydney, yeah. 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 And, um, you know, when, when my fiancé was born, he knew how hard his parents had to work to give him and his siblings mm. a good childhood. And as soon as he was old enough to, he started working to support them. And I'd never met a man my age who supported his family. It was always the other way around. Yeah. And I think it was that community orientation or that, that fact that he didn't see his life just for himself but for his whole family reminded me of how I felt about my parents and my family and how I owe my parents so much for all the opportunities they've given me. And oh, I wonder if it beautiful. comes with age mm. and perhaps people will reach that conclusion in time. But I felt that we shared that passion and I just hadn't come across... Anyone any, like that? Yeah, I th thought he was really special and I thought the fact that he wow. put his own desires 
aside, you know, to work and he started working at 18, didn't go to uni, couldn't afford it, bought his parents a house. Wow. And is now supporting his younger sister partially through university. Wow. So his younger siblings will have the opportunity that he didn't have. And I've always encouraged him, if it feels right, you know, now we're both working full time and we're getting married, go back to study and I'll pay yeah. I'll pay the rent. Support you, yeah. But he's so ingrained into being a, that selfless person that it's almost like he doesn't know what to do with that. Yeah. And I, I hope when it's the right time for him, he'll take time for himself. And think about himself yeah. for a bit. Well, also by being considerate to you, of course. Oh, but I yeah. mean, that's the thing. It's it's so hard to get him to switch off that, yeah. that family-oriented, one of the things I love about him, but I also don't want him to yeah. be too stressed. So you were saying that you've never met a guy like him because a lot of, a lot of men that you meet from like the, uh, the, from Australia who, you know, from Caucasian background and also um, I'm assuming you would have, when you were in China, you, you may have dated Chinese men as well. Well, I wouldn't or... say dated, hooked up with maybe the more appropriate term. <laughs> okay. and, but they didn't share this sort of sense of um, family family uh, duty and sense of, you know, being responsible. I guess some of them definitely did. And some of them were so driven that they mm. really didn't have room in their heart for a relationship. Oh, I and see. I think sometimes that family pressure, especially on international students, is so great that they feel doing anything separate can mm. be getting in the way of their goals. And I admire that. Mm. But I think when I met Fung, I just felt like we really clicked. I don't think that's necessarily because he's Asian Australian, but I certainly think mm. the cultural similarities are there. Yeah. I, I mean, I've dated mostly Asian men just kind of by coincidence <laughs> since I left my hometown. I'm going to have to put this in, but you've got yellow fever. I totally have yellow <laughs> fever. I don't know what it started with. I think it might have been SBS Pop Asia, maybe. <laughs> Thank you, SBS Pop Asia. <laughs> but, I mean, it's a lot of things. I think partly because at university I studied business in Chinese. That's who I met. Yeah. Um, but then I think as well part of it was – you know, I, I found them attractive physically. I found them wow. attractive, okay. like, emotionally, and, and I felt like we had more in common. Yeah, because um, in the media and also in the past, in Australian history, as well as through a lot of other Western history, Asian men don't exactly have the best rap. They're all usually known as, you know... The nerd. The nerd yeah. or, you know, the, the probably one of the most unattractive men in the, in, in, in the world, whereas Asian women are completely on the opposite scale. So I'm just... Oh, that's why it's so curious. I'm so curious. It's like, what drove you to to love Fun so much? And, well, I guess it's yeah. it's improving. I mean, with crazy rich Asians, you know, Henry Golding. Yeah, and he's beautiful. He's a halfie though, right? Does it matter? You know, okay, he, still, I, yeah. I think he still represents like. Mm. Asian masculinity mm. in a really positive way. I do think things are slowly, slowly improving. Mm. Having said that, I totally agree with you that Asian men do not get a fair, a fair representation in Western media. You're lucky to even see an Asian actor in most dramas and often they're comic relief or That's side right. character. I mean, the only Asian representation that I really had seen growing up was my Tronny, that Melbourne YouTuber who's an Asian Australian. Well that's that's how little and yeah. there was there was, you know, oh there was one Asian character in Dance Academy who I yeah. had a huge crush on, by the way, um, who's a Filipino Australian actor, but it was few and far between. So I think partly I mean I grew up in a very white country town and partly it was that it was exotic. It was yeah. different. But I mean Asian men have got a lot going for them that I think a lot of people do not appreciate. 
Asian men have no body hair. Which is probably a good thing because having body hair means you would usually excrete a lot of um, uh, smell. Did you know that Asian people only have one third of the sweat glands of white people, so they have far less body odor? Oh, so that's probably why I don't smell as much. Exactly. <laughs> I was so shocked when my Malaysian boyfriend in uni didn't have to wear deodorant. I was amazed. <laughs> in the middle of summer. And that's why they can't, well, some of them can't grow beards or... Um, Something. I, I don't massages. know if that's got to do with, like, it, if that's got to do with the sweat gland thing. But, yeah. I mean, it was a happy bonus for me. <laughs> I think that, you know, that, that for me, was attractive, that sort of stylish, clean... And not having to hold on to something that's really hairy all round, like oh, your arms you know, don't get the, me wrong. I think shoulders. men who have body yeah. hair are still attractive and, like, power to them. Yeah. But I, for me, I'd never seen anything like that. Okay. And I thought it was really exotic and exciting. Yeah. Do you know what this question is, this, this area of talk is leading to? You know, there's always a, a common um, perception of Asian men who are small and petite that, that they tend to be vertically challenged in other areas as well and in, you know, girthly challenged. So without going into too much details, um, how does that compare? <laughs> I, would, I would say three things to you, Madam Chen. The first is I'm taller than a lot of white men anyway. You are quite tall. Height doesn't matter when you lie down. <laughs> Okay, you're making me blush. <laughs> the third thing that I will say is Chinese, Vietnamese, Koreanese, between your knees, it's all good. <laughs> There's, I, I, don't, I don't think I could say at all that I, in my experience these men are, are smaller or any less able to satisfy in the bedroom. Okay, wow. And the best it's how they like, use it, right? Seriously, the best sex I've ever had was with a guy from Guangdong who like wasn't the hugest, but it was fantastic. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh my god! Ah, okay. So size doesn't like count. How you use it? I think that's very true, but I also think it's a you know if if you're going to rank your potential dates on size, you're probably missing out on a lot of really awesome people. But um. <laughs> Having said that, I, I don't think Asian men are necessarily smaller. In my, in my experience, they come in all shapes and sizes, just like white men. That's right, white <laughs> women. Asian men are human, just like you. Yeah, because I've, I've spoken to a few of my friends who, uh, you know, my like you, I've, I lived in a very white society. Yeah. And so yeah. all my friends were very Aussie or, you know, lived on farms and stuff like that. And and a few of them have actually said, you know, I've gone to China as well for exchange or for holidays because I know um, a friend who was studying over there. And um, they're like, well, obviously when you're in the country, you got to experience the country. When you're in Rome? I don't even know what that means, but please explain. That's Mandarin for when in Rome. <laughs> I told you I'm more Chinese than you. You are far more Chinese than I am. <laughs> Don't worry, all my boys when I was growing up, you know, they're like, oh my God, Madam Chen, you are more Australian than we are. <laughs> Do you ever feel, though, that sometimes Asian Australians are pressured to reject their Asian identity to fit in? Yeah, when I was younger, but yeah. then when I went to university, that's when I discovered that, oh my God, there's, there's my Asian culture. And people actually appreciate it and they mm. were doing degrees in Asian studies. And so that's when I realized wait a second, it's actually okay to be Asian. Do, do you feel, though, that as a young person in a predominantly white town that sometimes mm. you, people almost expect or will praise you for not being 
like the other Asians or praise you for being yes. a cool age. I, I hate that attitude so much. Unfortunately, because of, like, you know, being in primary school and high school, you have to be part of the in crowd. It's a tough time. It's a, it's, it's a really, like, look, not only with racism, but also with other sort of bullying and harassment as a child that you get, you know, either being a child with red hair or being a child who has... What they say, a big nose. Yeah, or, oh, not to say that, yeah. like with the the bullying that young Asian people mm. in Australia experience is worse. But I do think, you know, as this is an Asian Australian themed podcast, it's really important to acknowledge that there mm. is a lot of anti Asian sentiment yes. in Australia. And like, I'd be very interested to hear if you agree with me or not that it's almost seen as more acceptable to make fun of Asians than another ethnic group. It is, I would say it is so because there's um, distinctive physical differences. That's probably the main reason. So let's say, let's say for instance, okay, there's a, um, let's see a European kid from Germany who comes mm-hmm. to Australia. Klaus. A Kla- oh yeah, name is Klaus, whatever. <laughs> All right. And then there's a kid like me, Madam Chen, who goes to school who looks very distinctly different whereas Klaus has got blonde hair blue eyes fits right in yeah that Hitler youth style you know. <laughs> I didn't say it was Hitler last time <laughs> the kids are going to pay obviously more attention to me because mm-hmm. I look different it's easy to pick on me as opposed to a kid who is already blonde and blue eyed who looks exactly just like the rest of them so but the way I dealt with that when I was like I don't know whether I should review this, but I got to experience a lovely town called Ipswich Ooh. in Queensland. So Queensland. So yeah, I know. It's like a Queenslander. So those who don't know where Ipswich is, that's where, you know, the rising of Pauline Hansen. Absolutely. Yeah. But the thing was like, okay, so I came from um, a town, city, what do you call those, predominantly, you know, Caucasian, mm-hmm. um, you know, immigrants from various countries whose parents came on boats as well, uh, where they accepted me for who I was and I lived in a very nice bubble. They, they, they accepted me for what I was, but still treated me the same. But going to Ipswich, I actually got to experience real racism um, to the point where I, 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 even, I even cried at home. But at the same time, I had Australian friends. I, there was still a circle of friends who accepted me. I mean, they were not perfect. They weren't like, you know, your gorgeous beach body kind of girls. Um, but there were still Australians. So I knew that, okay, it's a segment of society that mm. has this issue where they need to feel, they need to, you know, single, be, people, out. single people out and be yeah. racist. Yeah, so I could see that. And also at the same time, I saw a lot of um, boys uh, bullying each other mm. of the same Caucasian race. Absolutely. Yeah, and so that put everything into context for me. So I was able to, you know, uh, be the bigger person yeah. when things got tough and just using wit at the same time and using reason to try and explain why are you doing this? I think, Mm. though, it's hard for you, though, that as a young person you had to take that Mm. responsibility to be the bigger person on. Mm. I mean, I absolutely agree with you that we do regional Australians a disservice when we tar them with the Mm. same brush. And I think that bullying is rife amongst Mm. Australians of all backgrounds. Yeah. But I, I guess for me what I notice is in the public discourse that Asians are kind of portrayed as not physically able, not good at sports, not good at these kinds of things, 
or nerdy, meek. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's it's obvious that they've never spoken to an Asian person in their life because if they met you and still thought Asian women were meek and subservient, they're going to be very surprised. <laughs> oh, yeah, that surprised a lot of people. Yes. And also with the sporting things, so that I, throughout high school, I went through that as well. People yeah. thought, oh, she's Asian, she's wearing glasses, you know, she must be terrible at sport, she's great at maths, which unfortunately I fit into that category wholeheartedly. Every year I won the maths award. And I actually remember one incident where um, we were playing baseball. Maybe it was maybe it was softball. I can't remember. A ball. A, a ball. You know, we had to have a. I was about to bat. Yes. And then the boys like ha ha ha. Here she comes. You know, Asian. Let's let's all walk in closer it's because you know she's not going to be able to hit the ball. And if she does, it'll just be a slight little little you know hit. So mm. we'll be able to catch it. And do you know what happened? I hit a home run. Awesome. I know. I was just like. Suck that up, boys, you know, just because I look what I am, but I'm actually really good at sports. Oh, and they ignore <laughs> the fact that some of the top athletes in the world are Asian. I mean, it's... Yeah. But I, I see that portrayal a lot, and I have a personal theory, mm. which I would like to share with you Do and share. your lovely listeners. I call it the Jew test. The, now, the what? The Jew test, J-E-W. J- so, J- Jew, as in a Jewish, Jewish person. Jewish person. Oh, so right. if the thing that you're saying about an Asian person or an Indigenous person or or anyone, if if it would sound like a Nazi, if you replace it with Jew, it doesn't pass the Jew test. Okay. So when people think people say things like Asian men have got small penises, to change that with Jewish men have got small penises. Oh my God, now I sound like a Nazi. Yeah. So therefore, you probably shouldn't say, say it. that. <laughs> the Jew test can be used to help people learn how to not be racist. I like this. Yeah, and I mean, I, I hear the most shocking things just said in casual ways like all Asians are good at maths, all Asians are bad at sport. And I'm like, listen to yourself. No group is homogenous. Yeah. And I really wish more people would realise that. I wonder if some of these people have ever spoken to an Asian person in their life. If they met my partner Fung, you know, he walks around in his Brisbane Bronco shirt, stubbies and thongs. <laughs> no no stereotypes at all. Then you meet someone like me, I look white as anything. But yeah. if you talk to me, I'll probably know a concerning amount about the Chinese Communist Party. <laughs> <laughs> or you'd be like, but I have no idea about Broncos. What what's that? I what's really football? don't. Or rugby. I what don't know the difference between NRL and AFL or what's the other one? What AFL. AF, is there an is there a URL? That's a web page. Dude, give it a try and see what you find. Yeah, report back to us. Let us know what you found at that domain. <laughs> you make me laugh so much, Steady. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I completely agree with you because I, I think a lot of the um, the Asian men get a lot of slack. And with Fun, how does how does he deal with all this? Like, did he always did he always think that he was going to marry a nice Vietnamese girl, or did he, or did the situation just come out of the blue for him? Well, with you? Yeah, yeah, I guess I know that he's dated women of all backgrounds before he met me, but mm. he did say to me that. You know, if you told him that he was going to, you know, marry a, a white woman, he probably wouldn't have thought so. Oh, okay. Um, 
And for me, if you told me I was going to marry a Queenslander, I would have gone, oh, God. But here we are. He wears a Bronco shirt. Oh, my goodness, how gauche. But, you know, he, he did say that. He always had the backup plan that if he if he was single and 40 and having no luck with the ladies, that he could always fly back to Vietnam and meet a nice girl who would like to move to Australia. Uh, would you call that a male order bride? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it, I, I, I don't personally see anything wrong with it, but I do think a lot of men use it to abuse their, yeah, their partners. Absolutely. So. And that's, I guess that's why, like, I think that that double standard is so awful, you mm. know, that it's acceptable for, for white men to do that, to go and find a vulnerable woman and, and exploit woman her. Usually. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I think it makes it hard for Asian women who genuinely want to be with the white men and they get all these kinds of aspersions cast mm. on them, you know, that they people imply all kinds of nasty things about them. It, and they Maybe they just met someone and really liked them. But there, there is a new trend now where a lot of um, older Asian women are taking on younger white men. Good on them. And what are Shalbanian? That's what they call them. Good on them. Yeah. I, hope that, I hope they get some really good dick. They yeah. deserve it. <laughs> They, they earned that shit. <laughs> and little baby faces. Yeah, there's a lot of cases where, uh, yeah, it's, it just it just seems to work. Because, like, Asian women, and, and, and there are also a lot of, like, Caucasian women like you, you look so young, where we just have vampire genes in us. Oh, Asian don't yeah. raise them. No, until they're about 70. But, you know, it doesn't matter if when I'm 70 and my entire face crushes oh. in and I got wrinkles everywhere, that's fine. I am fully aware that when <laughs> my partner and I are in our 40s, I'm going to look like a cradle snatcher. It's yeah. okay. I've accepted that. You look so young. you got beautiful skin. I look young now. (laughs) Do you know what happens to white skin when sun gets on it? Well, don't go in the sun. I try not to. I try not to. That's why you're in the office all the time. Exactly. That's why I can't call you a beach babe because you're not tan enough. I'm really not. I don't like the beach. I'm scared of the water. I'm a bad Australian. (laughs) You don't even swim. I I don't like it. It's sand. It's coarse and it gets everywhere. (laughs) Whereas Foon, he just loves it. He's like, yes, Yes. I need the beach. I need a footy. I need to kick it and I need a BB. No, he's a forex. He's from Queensland. He needs a forex. He he does he does enjoy a forex on occasion, on occasion. <laughs> but then again, so do I. Yeah. So how how does your two families work? Like, have they met each other? They what, have. Oh, any cultural challenges or any cultural like a love between well, families? You know, when they met for the first time, I built it up so much in my head. My parents said that they didn't really want to meet the family until we're getting married just because, you know, it's a huge deal and then, like, it's a great thing to celebrate and we were so nervous. And your parents probably didn't take us very seriously. Like, oh, Asian man. Oh, not necessarily. I mean, they they loved my partner. They thought it was great. They could see how happy that we were. But when we told them that we're getting married and and we'd like you to meet each other so that we can start planning the wedding, everybody was nervous. Because for both our families, it's the first child to get engaged. So how long were you guys together before the announcement? About two years. Well, that's actually quite long. Oh, I don't know. A lot of my friends mm. are telling me that it's quick. I'm 24 and like... Okay, maybe for the 20s, it's, I think it's quite... That is on quite, the younger side. Yeah. yeah. But when you, you know, my age, at like a seasoned prune in your 30s, um, things happen really fast. So even when you're together with somebody for like three to six months, apparently it just goes straight to engagement. Well, it just felt right, you know? Yeah. And, I, you know, I think for for my family, they said... 
wow, that's really quick. Are you sure? But his family, they were like, oh, my goodness, finally. Thank goodness. You've been together for so long and you haven't got engaged. I what think is years is quite long. But I think yeah. that's another cultural difference, yeah. honestly. I mean, I've got lots of Chinese friends who think six months is a long time to go without a proposal. Oh, wow. So I think it's just a, another cultural difference. And, yeah. and partly it's a generational difference. But when our families actually met, you know what? It was lovely. They got along really well. We had nothing to be scared of. And I'm, I'm assuming that Vun's family spoke English they quite do. well. They so do, they were able yeah. to communicate properly. Oh, they lived in Australia for oh, 30 excellent. years, you know. They're, they're pretty much Aussie as well, yeah. you oh, know. Good. And, you know, I think they were glad to find out that my family isn't totally ignorant of Asian <laughs> culture. <laughs> Especially your Polish mother who's like, I understand the struggle you had when you yep. first came to Australia. She's like, mm. I've been there, I've seen what that's mm. like. That is not a good time, man. That is straight up not a good time. That is such a good way to build rapport. Because exactly. Because even you come from different cultures like from you know Poland and Vietnam and just to go through the struggle of settling into a new country exactly and mm. there's there's common ground there and I think as well like we're just lucky and without sounding super lame you know I'm really lucky that I met a man that makes me really happy and I think both of our parents are just glad that we have each other yeah you know and have something you know having something solid and something that from you know, both your heritage as well, like those very different in terms of heritage, but the fact of you know immigrating to Australia or immigrating to a new country, you you, you just have that base. Yeah, and yeah. You can you can share those similarities. And I mean, the, mm. the differences as well is also what makes it great. I mean, we certainly have that common ground, but mm. we're very different people, and so it it doesn't get stale, you know. And we Good. we regularly challenge each other. Yeah. You know, him being very sporty and me being very academic with stark opposites but I've certainly got a lot fitter and healthier since yeah. I met him and I'm he's told me that he's got more of an interest in study and Good. so you bring out I think you bring out the potential in each other I know and it's just being able to grow because how boring would it be if let's say you found another person just like oh you. we would kill each other exactly oh my goodness it would be terrible it'd be terrible you, you need to find somebody who you know first of all you need to have some attraction to but then also something you, you feel like oh, I'm going to be able to grow this person I can learn something from this person Person. Even though our similarities and look, value, values is very important. Exactly. Because, which, which is what you and Fun have. Because, I think yeah. values is most mm. important. I think sharing common values mm. is probably crucial. Absolutely. Everything else, hobbies, habits, yeah. food, music, <laughs> doesn't matter. I mean, we like hardly any of the same music or TV shows or mm. anything. And there are times when I sort of think, wow, he doesn't even like Beethoven. <laughs> But then I think, well, maybe that's a good thing. I've certainly broadened my horizons. Yeah. And now there's one or two piano concertos that he will tolerate. Exactly. <laughs> and it's about learning. Because it, it, it's like, okay, somebody described it to me one time. It's like, you know, having a relationship with someone who you get along with is like a train track. Because mm. a train track is two two rails. Two parallel lines. Two pa- parallel lines. And the thing is, you've got to keep it going yeah. parallel. Otherwise, if it's not working out, one will stray. And that's not good for a relationship. Well, you know, my mm. mother told me that when you're looking for a life partner, find somebody that mm. you can be friends with because after 30 years, suddenly you don't care so much about sex anymore. And when you're a young oh. person, it's easy to get caught up in the that's right. attraction. Yeah. And just that compatibility is the most important thing. Mm. Do you still think that 
interesting and cool when they're sick at 5am on a Saturday morning and you have to help them out or when Mm. they're really stressed out at work and they're in a bad mood Mm. do you still want to be there for them and you know I think I've been lucky to find that but I'm also glad my mother taught me that because it's so easy to get caught up in in lust yeah especially in our incredibly sexualized society and our short um short attention span yeah I agree with you there so so being able to find someone who just enjoy their company is so important I think enjoying the quiet time is quite uh, an art. One of our favourite things to do, our routine, is Fung has a job that's kind of physical, so when he gets home he can be really tired. And he'll say, can you sit on the couch so I can fall asleep on your lap? Oh, that's so sweet. And I'll put on a podcast or some documentary that... Like this podcast, yes. Not Nothing as amazing as this podcast. Oh, this is the best cost, cost card. This is the, <laughs> best, this is the best podcast in Australia and the world soon. Uh, obviously, obviously. Yeah. You know, and he'll just fall asleep on my lap and it's just such a nice intimate moment. And I, I think both of us feel like we can let our guard down yeah. around each other, which is very rare for me. Yeah, it's the, it's the quiet time, the vulnerable time, and the time where you don't feel like you need to make an effort. Exactly. And, and we've both seen each other at our lowest and at our highest, and I still think he's hot, mm. so that's a big tick for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you do because I'll be worried if you weren't. <laughs> But I think it's it's, it's about recognising that compatibility, almost friendship as well in the relationship. But, okay, so a lot of people tell me, to marry someone, you have to be best friends. I don't believe in that. No, well, mm. my best friend is not the same as my partner at all. Yeah. They're very different people, and I'm grateful for both of them. But with my best friend, even though I know that he's amazing, there's just mm. no spark there. No. And, and I think it's mutual. Yeah. You know, we care greatly for each other, and really good friends but both of us want something really different in a partner Mm. and so I think definitely my partner is somebody that I trust more than anyone in the world but not best friend I almost think that's doing a disservice to call them that in some ways yeah I know I I think I think the the the, um, idea of best friend has been um you know being so sex it's such a sexy thing from hollywood exactly yeah it's it's almost like you know there is a, a really good friend okay um that you can have that you can depend on but at the same time if it's somebody that you want to be with technically that's also a really good friend who you I, can depend yeah on as well. i think you're right about mm. the whole hollywood best friend idea mm. i mean have they ever had an adult friendship in real life like how long has it been since we last caught up <sighs> you know yeah friendship in real life is really hard yeah and it's not such a romantic thing. Yeah, I know. And, yeah. And, and friendships change as well. Exactly. Like sometimes you lose touch with them and sometimes, you know, you, well, some friendships go on forever, which is fantastic. But it's really, yeah. it's. I think it's down to a lot of factors, whereas with a relationship, you, it's a lot more work. Mm. Yeah. Definitely a lot of work. So how do you and Fun keep the spark going? I believe he works in a job where, you know, he's away sometimes. Yeah, yeah, he travels mm. for work. And, mm. I mean, I work shift work, so mm. even when he's here sometimes, we go a while without seeing each other. I think that has actually been quite instrumental in, Just you know. Just makes a heart fonder. Partially. I mean, you never appreciate someone more mm. than when you've got time to miss them. Mm. You know, today I was at work, there was a lot happening. I was just thinking how much that I wish that he would be there when I got home. There are times when I'm at home. Instead you're here with me, okay? I feel that void today. You do. <laughs> when, I, when I'm at home and I realise I'm kind of waiting for him to come home and he's not going to. So, like, subconsciously I'm waiting for him. 
And that, that means when when we are together that I'm just so grateful for that time. Good. But oh, the other thing is, so sweet. like I say, that we're really different people and, and that kind of keeps things fresh because we we hardly ever agree on things. And so our conversations are <laughs> just as interesting now as, as they were the first time we went out. So what would happen, let's say, if he didn't have his work uh, obligations and he was there the entire time? Well, would you guys kill each other by spending no, so much time no, together? No, not at all. We've, we've done that before. You know, okay. he's not always traveling. Mm. And so we've... You know, I think we're both really good at communicating, like, when we want space. Like, if I've had a full-on day at work and I come home mm. and say, hey, I just need to go have a lie down, he gets it. He does the same thing sometimes. We have our different ways of dealing with it. He likes to go to the gym. I like to, you know, listen to music. Or, yeah. And you just, I think it's all about communication as much as it's a cliche. Tell yeah. the other person how you're feeling. You know, I, I need to talk to you or I need a bit of time space, on my own yeah. or I need a really good fuck. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you'll have to cut that bit out. Oh, I don't think I will. It's okay, Split Lana. Everything's fine. <laughs> Sorry, I just laughed and I almost inhaled beer. Yeah, your, your beer's become a boy now. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet because I think a part of the relationship is about, okay, it's as much as about communication as, as opposed to compromise because if you're able to communicate well, then both of you will be able to say, all right, Let's do it, you know, your way this time. There's kind of in between them. And it's having those mm. uncomfortable, practical conversations. Mm. That I guess one thing I like about Asian men is the brutal honesty that pervades a lot of Asian culture. I'm yeah. sure you'll know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. I grew up with a mother who was very brutal with honesty. And, I mean, I guess it mm. can be a bad thing, but for me, I'm so grateful that he tells me when I'm annoying him. <laughs> I don't have to figure it out. I know. Yeah. yeah it's so hard trying to, you know, when, they, when they're trying to... Sugarcoat things, yeah, yeah. sugarcoat things to not hurt you, but you're like, I don't know whether he's saying that to exactly be nice or he actually means it. For me, it makes everything more authentic. If he tells me, "Hey, I think you've put on a few kilos," I go, "Oh my oh, god!" Oh what? Okay, okay. Oh, I say, oh, wow. "Yes, I have. I need to lose it." If I say I want macros, can you please remind me? And that wow. helps me. And then on the other hand, when he gives me a compliment, I know he really fucking means it. Which is great. Which is great. Exactly. But I'm. But the thing is, you got to be a particular type of girl with the right of confidence to be able to hear that kind of stuff. And you go, babe, you need to lose weight. Oh, he won't say it in, yeah. in such blunt terms. But if I ask him a question, I know that he'll give me an honest answer. If I say to him, do you think, can you tell that I've put on yeah. weight? And he says, yes, I appreciate that. I don't want yeah. to be patronized to, yeah. you know. I mean, that's what a girl wants. It's like, you know, I want you to be able to say what you want to say without you sugarcoating it and, and I giving am, me the wrong messages. And I hope that he knows that he can mm. tell me things without me totally flying off the handle. And I mean, oh, my goodness, I'm not a saint. There have been times when I've got cranky with him. And, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's got cranky with me sometimes. But that's where that communication comes in and being able to express those feelings mm. without blaming the other person. Yeah. Because that's really important. Well, if you're going to spend your life with mm. someone, you have to be able to tell them how you feel. Exactly. Goodness. Oh, I'm so glad that Fun is able to communicate well. I'm glad, and also, yeah. yeah. I'm glad that he knows he can tell me anything. I mean, yeah. I think especially for men, it is hard sometimes to open up and, and be vulnerable. Absolutely. I think men are always told they have to be the tough one. I can't cry. Yeah, they have oh. to be on top of everything. So I think yeah. your partner should be the one person that you don't have to be on top of everything in front of. You can show your vulnerabilities and you can actually say what you really mean. Exactly. And, and yeah. I, yeah, I'm grateful for that. Because somebody told me the other day, I can't remember which day it was or who it was. What day is it? <laughs> or who it was. I got a terrible memory. Um, where he says, okay, the person who you end up with, 
It's a person who is going to accept you for your weirdest self. Mm. Not your worst self, but your weirdest self. Yes, I like that a lot better than the, if you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best, which normally translates as, I am a dumpster fire, stay away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because like all of us, we have our odd, you know, idiosyncrasies. Exactly, exactly. exactly. It should be something that should be valued as opposed to, you know, being shunned upon and going, oh my God, I don't want to be anywhere near her. I thought Mm. she was this perfect girl. Um... But there's no such thing as as the Mm. perfect girl or the perfect boy. Mm. When it's an idea, it's almost a sales tactic. I think people are complicated, people Mm. are shitty, people are annoying. Yeah. But they're also amazing. At the same time. Yeah, no. Sometimes at the same time. Sometimes, you know, one day they're great. (laughs) (laughs) So I can't tolerate you. Well, let's have our separate spaces, thanks. Honestly, for me, it depends (laughs) on how many hours of sleep I got the night before. Yeah, that plays a big part as well. You know that Mm -hmm. one colleague who sometimes you love to have a chat with, but other times you're like, I wish you would just shut up. Well, talking about shutting up, uh, one of my col—well, not my other colleague, but one of the other co-founders from this uh, startup space—has said, "Madam Chan, I'm nominating you to be on this um, challenge where you don't talk for a whole hour." <laughs> and I was like, "Thanks very much. I get what you're trying to say." <laughs> I, I don't think you would have succeeded in that challenge. Well, apparently, it's happening next week. So good luck. Good I, luck. I don't, I don't. I don't think I can make it. Look, I believe in you but I, I wouldn't put money on it. <laughs> so you'd be, you'd be betting against my odds then. Exactly. But knowing my luck with gambling, that means you'll succeed. So I'm really helping you. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe I just have to put, you know, put on a muzzler or something. Just like, just like okay. a greyhound dog. Things, things just started to get kinky in here, okay? <laughs> oh, Captain Bagrat, stop it. <laughs> well... Thank you very much for coming in today, Svetlana. It has been very insightful. It's what you have been to say. my pleasure, and it's great to catch up with you as always, Madam Chan. Yes, exactly. So what the what the listeners won't know or hear is that we're actually going to go and have some dinner and catch up properly. Yay! Yeah, exactly. So on this note, I'm going to say thank you very much for clarifying a few things about yellow men. Oh, I, I hope I can set the record straight. Yes. And if you have never dated an Asian man, please go ahead and do it. <laughs> because all those stereotypes are not actually true. They are very wrong. Yes. Go forth and enjoy. That's right. Be, find your yellow knight yes. and have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> Bag rat out. <laughs> Cheers. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's podcast. For the latest updates and posts, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you love it as much as Captain Bagrat and I do, uh, please support us on Patreon, where we hope that our dream of having our own TV show will become a reality one day. So then we can continue to fight boring news on everything, anything, and nothing with an Asian twist. Thanks for your support. Bagrat out. Solid. <laughs>